such we should praise him, seek his help, and seek his forgiveness, and seek refuge in Allah from the evil which is within ourselves, and the evil which results from our deeds. For whomsoever Allah has guided, none can misguide. And whomsoever Allah has allowed to go astray, none can guide. And I bear witness that there is no God worthy of worship but Allah, who is alone and without partner. And I bear witness that Muhammad was the last messenger of Allah. Inna asdaq al hadithi kitabullah, wa khayra hadi Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa sharra al umuri muhdathatuha, wa kulla muhdathatin bid'ah. وَكُلَّ بِدْعَةٍ ضَلَالَةٍ وَكُلَّ ضَلَالَةٍ فِي النَّارِ Indeed, the most truthful form of speech is the Book of Allah, and the best source of guidance was the guidance brought by Muhammad wasallam. And the worst of all affairs are the innovations in religion. For every innovation in religion, is a source of misguidance. And all misguidance ultimately leads to the hellfire. <coughs> Brothers and sisters, we all know that the love of Prophet Muhammad is a vital part of the deen of Islam. It is so vital that Prophet Muhammad had told his companions, None of you has truly believed until I, Muhammad وسلم, become so beloved to him, more beloved to him or her, than your parents, your children, or people in general. That the Prophet وسلم, should be most beloved to us. Of course, when we try to translate that into action, we have to do it according to the guidance which Prophet Muhammad gave us. How do we love the Prophet We know that he told us, we should not be excessive in our love. That we should not imitate that excessive love which the Christians developed 
for Jesus. He told us, لا تتروني كما أطرتت النصارى عيسى ابن مريم. Don't praise me and exceed in your praise until you do as the people of the book, the, the Nasara, the Christians, as they did to Prophet Isa. Don't do as they did. What did the Christians do? They praised him until he became for them God. He became Allah. They elevated him to the point that he became Allah. So he warned us not to do that. Instead, he would insist we just call him Abdullah wa Rasuluh, a slave of Allah and his messenger. So though we are obliged to love him more than anyone in this world, that love should not exceed the bounds which were set by Allah. We should not elevate him to the status of divinity of God. And unfortunately, we do have Muslims who have done that. There are those who say, Prophet Muhammad was created from the light of Allah. This branch of this light, the light of Allah, they call Nur Muhammadi, the Muhammadan light. And it is from this light that creation came into being. This is misguidance. People may say, well, we love Prophet Muhammad Wasallam," But if you love him and you say that, then you have exceeded the limits. As Allah told them in the Quran, Ya Ahlul Kitab, La taghlu fi dinikum. Do not go to excess in your religion, O people of the book. And Allah had Prophet Muhammad repeat statements which would confirm his humanity. Telling him, قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَنَا بَشَرٌ مِثْلُكُمْ يُوحَى إِلَيَّ أَنَّمَا إِلَهُكُمْ إِلَهٌ وَاحِدٌ Allah told him, Prophet Muhammad ﷺ to say, Indeed, I am a human being like you. Bashar. The only difference is that I received revelation from Allah. That's what distinguishes me from the rest of you. Otherwise, I am like you. But we have people in the Muslim world who say, No, he was not like us. 
You have millions who believe that Prophet Muhammad is alive in his grave. And if you say he died, they say you are kafir. That is the extreme they've gone to. This is not just a few people. In India and Pakistan, perhaps the majority of Muslims hold this belief. It's serious. It's misguidance. Because we ask them, so what did the Prophet Wasallam's companions do? They prayed Salatul Janazah for him and they buried him. So they were wrong. Even Omar himself, Omar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, when he first heard word that Prophet Muhammad had died, he, his initial reaction was that same extreme. He came out and pulled out his sword and he said, anybody who says that Muhammad has died, will face this. He would kill them. But it was Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, who came in, went into the room of the Prophet Aisha's room, lifted up the cloak, saw him, kissed him, put the cloak back, came out, and pushed Omar aside. And tell the people, any of you who are worshipping Allah, Allah is living. But any of you who are worshipping Muhammad wasallam, he's dead. So those people who say, no, he's still living, they're denying. Abu Bakr, who was the first Khalifa, the best of the Ummah, after Prophet Muhammad the best of the Ummah was Abu Bakr. And he said Prophet Muhammad died. But they say, no, you say that, you're a kafir. Very serious. So this is an extreme. An extreme which leads us to worshipping other than Allah. This is ibadah. And we find those people praying to Prophet Muhammad Instead of only praying to Allah, as Allah told us, Ud'uni astajib lakum. Call on me in prayer and I will answer you. They will call on Prophet Muhammad And they commonly will put in the masjids on equal level, Ya Allah, Ya Muhammad. This is how you'll know that they have adopted this way of thinking. They equate calling on Allah, Ya Allah, to calling on Muhammad, Ya Muhammad, do this for me, do that for me, intercede for me. That is ibadah. They say, no, no, it's not ibadah. But the Prophet ﷺ had said, Ad-du'a huwa al-ibadah. Du'a, calling on someone in worship, is worship. It's the essence of worship. To call on them. So, the Prophet ﷺ said, 
that we should love him above any other human being. So how do we turn that now into the reality which Prophet Muhammad ﷺ wanted for us? The essence of loving Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, just like the essence of loving our parents, is to obey them. If you tell your parents, I love you, mother, I love you, father. But every time they tell us to do something, you say, no, I can't do it. I'm too busy. I can't find time. I don't think so. We have a million and one excuses, never obeying them. Do you think they will believe that you truly love them? No. They will not. Because love fundamentally requires from us obedience. If you love that person, you will do whatever they ask you to do. So that is the essence of loving the Prophet ﷺ. That we do whatever he asked us to do. Whether it is following his commands, he told us to do this, or avoiding his prohibitions, he told us not to do that. One or the other, we should obey him. It also involves following his example. But fundamentally, Love of Prophet Muhammad ﷺ resides in obeying his commands. And we can obey his commands only if we know him. So there's something which precedes obeying him. It is an obligation to obey him, but it's something which precedes it. And that is knowledge of him. Because if we don't know who he was, how can we obey him? We don't know what he said, what he did. How do we follow him? So it is incumbent on each and every Muslim to know about Rasulullah To know his life. Not just as a story, okay as a child, you teach the children the story of the life of the Prophet ﷺ. Because that's their introduction. Their minds are not mature enough to understand obedience. But once they mature, then that's what we have to focus on. That we know Prophet Muhammad ﷺ's life for the guidance which is in it. As Allah said, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا There is in the Messenger of Allah for you the best example. So when we study his seerah, his life, his biography, we should study it not 
as the children read the story. We should now study it for the lessons of the seerah. What is it that Prophet ﷺ was teaching us? In each and every stage of his life, he was the guide. So we need to know those lessons. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the reality of love of the Prophet ﷺ in following his guidance, in knowing his life. And I ask Allah to forgive us for whatever ignorance has led us to the state we are in today where we really don't know him. We don't know about his life. We only say we love him, but we don't follow his commands. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our parents, those who have passed away from our relatives and friends, for their negligence in this matter. And that He help us to be firm in our love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and obedience to Him. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa lisayid al-muslimina min kulli dhamb fastaghfiru innahu huwa al-ghafoor rahim Call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to seek His forgiveness because He is the only one who can forgive. It is said that the most effective way of doing any project, running any business, developing any program, is to begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. So, as Muslims, where is the end? The end of this life, the one thing that we are certain of, is death. We're all going to die. Kullu nafsin, maut. This is reality. Every soul will taste death. That's the end. So, how should we then live our lives? It should be living a life, realizing that that end is to come. And when that end comes, Prophet Muhammad ﷺ has informed us, that in the grave, when we are laid in the grave, two angels will come to us, Munkar and Nakir, and they will ask us three questions. These three questions we need to know. We need to know them in this life before we reach that point. The first question is, Man Rabbuk? Who is your Lord? The second question, وَمَادِينُكْ And what was your religion? And the third question, وَمَنَّبِيُّكْ And who was your prophet, your messenger? Those are the three questions. So, 
preparing for these three. And of course, I'm sure you understand that simply knowing the answer now, man rabbuk, you can say Allah. Man dinuk, Islam. Man nabiyuk, Muhammad sallallahu If a kafir knows that now as we know it, is that going to benefit him in the grave? No. Because he will not be able to answer. If we have not lived the answers to these three questions in this life, then we have lost our akhirah. The life to come is a tragedy for us. A calamity. The worst possible calamity. So man rabbuk, we need to know who was our Lord? Who is our Lord? How do we know that? How do we know who He is? We know it through the Qur'an. And who received the Qur'an? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And who explained the Qur'an? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when we talk about knowing Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it means we need to know what he told us about Allah. Because the only way to know who Allah actually is, remembering, you have one billion Hindus who believe that Allah is a cow. You have two billion Christians who believe that Allah is a man. You have another billion Buddhists who believe that Allah is a man. So this is a serious matter. We know who Allah is based on what Prophet Muhammad has taught us. Through the Qur'an which he delivered from Allah Taala to us, and through the explanations of the Qur'an. So it's not only to know the Qur'an, but also to know the explanations of Rasulullah to the Qur'an. So it takes us back to Rasulullah And what was your religion? Where do we know that from? We know that from Rasulullah In the Qur'an, do we have the five pillars of Islam, the six pillars of Iman, explained, numbered? No. It is from the Sunnah that we know what are the five pillars of Islam. And the six pillars of Iman. So we have to go back to Rasulullah to know what Islam is. And to practice Islam as was intended, <clears throat> we need to know what is behind the pillars of Islam and the pillars of Iman. Again, simply knowing it's Shahada, Sharatan, Salah, Zakah, Saum, Hajj, we can run off these five. But does that mean you know them? 
Have we understood what was the goal of Salah? The goal of Hajj? Or we just know its name. We know the rules. Salah, you have to have wudu. Salah, you have to face the Qibla. You should cover your aura. Similarly, Hajj, you have to wear ihram. You have to go to Mecca, etc. These are the rules. But what was behind those pillars? What is behind those rules? What is the goal that was to be achieved? That most of us don't know. And that's serious. That's a serious problem. Because if we don't know what the actual goal is, how can we achieve it? So it is important for us to know it ourselves and to pass that knowledge on to our children. To go back and find out what is the goal of the shahadatan. What is the goal of salah? What is the goal of zakah and saum and hajj? Because Prophet Muhammad he summed up the goal of his whole message. All of Islam that he brought to us, he summed it all up saying, I was only sent to perfect for you the highest of moral character traits. It's about morality. That was the essence of the message. He said, the essence of the message of Islam is morality, good character. Albir husnul khuluq. Righteousness is good character. So each of the pillars of Islam and Iman has at its root principles, moral principles, character examples that we should know. We need to go back and find out what was the goal of the pillars of Islam and Iman. So we can achieve that essence which the Prophet ﷺ told us. And that's why he said, تَرَكْتُ فِيكُمْ أَمْرَيْنْ إِنْ تَمَسَّكْتُمْ بِهِمَا لَنْ I've left with you two things, if you hold on firmly to them, you will never go astray. Kitabullah, Book of Allah, وَسُنَّتِي and my sunnah. We have to hold on firmly to the book of Allah as understood by Rasulullah as he taught it to us and to his sunnah which is the guide explaining, directing. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring us back to the reality of the deen. That reality which would guide us and make us better human beings. The best possible human beings. I ask Allah to make us sincere in striving for this goal. Because our life in this world and the life in the next depends on achieving it. I ask Allah to make it easy for us. 
make it easy for our families so that we as a society can be the best of nations whom Allah has brought out for the rest of humankind to be guided to be their guide kuntum khaira ummatin ukhrijat linnas that's what Allah said we are the best nation taken out as a guide to humankind. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us that guide. To give us His blessing, His knowledge, to give us wisdom in applying that knowledge. And to forgive our deficiencies, our neglect, our ignorance, and make Islam again real in our lives. Beyond the ritual, a true understanding which will make a difference for our society. Seeking knowledge and obligation made easy. Thought about studying for a long time? Tuition fees keeping you from actually starting? Islamic Online University has led a revolution in online learning. The world's first tuition-free degree, BA in Islamic Studies. Access to the knowledge, any place, anytime, anywhere. It just doesn't get any easier than that. Classes, texts, assignments, completely online. Set your own schedule for the semester. No overseas travel required for the exams. Subjects taught by qualified English-speaking scholars. Weekly live sessions in virtual classrooms. With curricula based on those in El Medina University in Saudi Arabia. El Azhar University in Cairo. And other reputable institutions around the world. Why wait any longer? You pay just a symbolic registration fee and are ready to begin the adventure of higher education. The most diverse student body of any university in the world. 130,000 plus registered students from 217 countries. Log in to the website for more details. www.islamiconlineuniversity.com